Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Inside the Cage. I am your host, Terrell Campbell. And I am your man, Jerome Spann. And ladies and gentlemen, this is your home for MMA, pro wrestling, conversations. And now, officially, we will talk about not only entertainment, but... All right. And plus, like I say, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't get enough of your football-related content, well, guess what? ITC Sports Ball will, although they just had a season finale, let's say, I know that they're going to gear up for the football season. Isn't that right, Jerome? Oh, we're literally going to be back this week. We will be dropping new content for you. Um, me and Mason planning on recording uh, before the weekend, so we want to have it up for you on Saturday so you guys can give it a listen on Saturday and go into your NFL weekend with the sports ball guys giving you some knowledge all right so be sure to check that out oh but in the meantime we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna start start talking about a little bit of mma and first thing we're gonna talk about is hey we saw it over the past weekend with the big fight night with uh derrick brunson versus uh kelvin gasolum i'm sorry not brunson versus gasolum i'm sorry Brunson versus Till. Now, there's questions, and a lot of fighters have chimed in on this, but after Khalil Roundtree won his fight with an oblique kick and his opponent suffered severe injuries, the question is now, Jerome, like I say, we've seen this oblique kick technique done wonderfully like over the past few years, and some of the well-known fighters that have used it to great effectiveness have been John Jones and Holly Holm. The question is now is, should that kick be banned? I don't think it should. I, I understand the argument to it, right? But if we're being honest, anytime someone slaps on a submission, there's a certain level of restraint that they're using to not actually severely injure the person. I mean, if we're being honest about things, majority of times when people get arm bars and stuff, they could just break somebody's arm if they wanted to. Like if they wanted to go full Frank Mir on someone, more, more times than not, they could. But the thing that m- most people aren't figuring out is that, you know, I, I understand the oblique kick and everything. It looks bad when you're talking about, okay, just visually, how does that look? Right, because it's clear that you're that the fighter is trying to kick through someone's leg, kick through their knee, whatever it may be, right? And you don't want to see guys get major injuries, but at the same time, uh, again, we have to acknowledge there are risks to the sport. And I get that we're trying to mitigate some of that by getting rid of the kick, but it's a technique that's been used for so long at this point. I mean, if you get caught with the oblique kick, I, I'm more inclined to say that that's on you as a fighter. Because for all the years that John Jones has been using it, how many times has he been caught with it? Mm-hmm. I would have to say, I can't recall him ever being caught with the oblique kick. The one thing I will say, though, is let's say that's like when you're looking at a lot of the kicks that can go to a fighter's leg, 
that's one of the hardest ones to actually defend. And I mainly say that because, you know, like I say, there are certain defenses, like a, a standard leg kick, you're going to check it. But which for those of you that are not familiar with the language, that means, you know, either you plant your foot or you lift it up enough to where when where they're kicking at, they're going to be, you know, like say, not doing too much damage to that particular part of the body where they're aiming for. But the oblique kick is like straight to like, you know, to the bone, to the to to a degree. Like when you're aiming for it, you're aiming for like the person's upper thigh or their knee. Like there's no mm-hmm. in between on that. There's upper thigh or knee. Like, and if somebody's just like, oh, there's an in between between that. Where? Because obviously, like say, upper thigh is above your knee. <laughs> so there's no, really no in between. But mm-hmm. I, but and much like you, I agree. I agree with. I say that you know I understand the merits of it, but yes, it's one of those chick, one of those kicks that if you're a trained fighter, you should be, and you're going up against like if Misha Tate was to fight Holly Holm, Misha Tate's watching out for the oblique kick, you know, mm-hmm. and if if Francis Ngannou was to fight John Jones, best believe we're looking at Francis keeping a close eye on that oblique kick because he knows it's coming. So, you know, it's just my number one thing is it's a harder strike to defend against because you can literally have someone completely on the ropes and they just, you know, they say, and then also you throw that kick and it comes out of nowhere. You can, you can be doing, you know, standard leg kicks and then somebody switches up, hits you with that oblique kick. You know, there's no real defense for it because you know because like say think about it if you try and lift up your leg to defend it like a standard normal leg kick then basically what you're doing is you're putting your knee at risk Mm -hmm. i well i guess my thing is this is that it just feels like an overreaction it doesn't one person getting really hurt from this doesn't merit to me that we should all of a sudden go crazy you know what i mean like i get like i said i understand the the part of it where it's like okay yeah we don't want to have guys just getting really injured off of this one type of kick right that that, then we could put a rule in place to stop it but at the same time it's not like this is some technique that somebody can hit you with across the ring you know what I mean? Like there, there's still, if you move your feet, you probably won't get hit with it. Most of the guys that get hit with those kicks plant their feet way too much and they pay the price for that. Fighting is the, the name of the game and fighting is find out what your opponent does too much and he leans on and make them pay for it. Figure out where, where he's weak at because if you can make him get away from what he's comfortable with, that means you're making him do something that he's weak in and you're going to make him pay the price. So at the end of the day, I get people looking at the injury that happened and having such a visceral reaction, right? I'm not saying that those that were watching the fight were wrong for the reaction that they had to seeing that take place in front of them, right? But what I will say is they need to take a step back, take a breath, 
and look at the totality of things and realize, is this really a problem or is this just one of those things that was, you know, uh, kind of a freak accident, if we're being honest. Because, uh, I, I, hey, T, did you hear people talking about changing the rules after we watched multiple guys break their legs from from getting a, a leg kick check? Was anybody talking about let's change the rules then? No. And say we should out, outlaw all the leg kicks. Anybody say that? No. So that that's why I say it to me. It is purely, it is purely an overreaction. He goes into a rematch against the first guy to beat him in the U.S. And you know he and like if 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 Anderson Silva's strategy in that second fight would have been his strategy in the first fight, Anderson Silva would have never lost to Chris Weidman. That's just the honest truth. Yep, correct. Because yeah, yeah, because but to the point though, but to the point. they were watching for those leg kicks in that second fight, but but to but yeah. but to the point though, did anybody say we need to outlaw leg kicks? No. So again, let, let's not, not overreact. Not <laughs> yeah, let, let let's not do the overreaction. Let's give it a fair reaction. Let's say, man, that was an ugly incident to see, but let's move forward here and let's wish that let's wish him the best in his recovery. You know, I think it, it, it it's. Like I said, it's a really dumb thing for people to turn around and to be um, reacting in such a visceral way that they're like, oh, we need to ban this kick. And da, da, da. I think that's just, we're going way too far. I say, say, yeah, it could be an over, let's like say, and that's the problem. Like, say, a lot of times we see people trying to overcorrect. Like I said, we see overcorrections all the time in different sports. Well, this might be another example of that because this is not – an oblique kick is not something that is commonplace in every fight. If it was happening in every fight and we are seeing guys get seriously hurt, okay, maybe. But this is mm-hmm. this is a this is a technique where where like only a select few fighters actually use it. And, and yep. for the most part, for the most part, the people that use it the most effectively are people that are part of, you know, Greg Jackson's gym. So, I mean, there's there's only one, only really one way to see see how this goes, and that's just to let it play out. I say, but we'll keep everybody up to date if that becomes an effective rule. But in the meantime, Jerome. There's been a lot of, you know, people, you know, trying to say what Conor McGregor should do next or what they think, you know, he should do. Well, Michael Bisping offered an interesting point recently, and that was Conor McGregor should not go straight after Dustin Poirier when Conor decides to return. He believes Conor needs another fight. He needs a tune-up fight. But here's the here's the, here's the thing about it. The person that, you know, and Bisping even corrected himself later and said, 
oh, well, I don't think this would really be a tune-up fight. I think this would just, I think thinks he needs to fight this person. But the person he said that Connor needs to fight, which would be a main event caliber fight, if anything, would be Nate Diaz. <laughs> and the question, the question I have for you is, should Connor, if he ever comes back, should he, you know, look look to that fight against Diaz, or should he go ahead and get this butt whooping by Poirier for a third time? Uh, well, it depends. Does he want to have two money fights or one? Because if he fights Diaz again, it's going to sell. So it's going to be a money fight there. Because practically, if we're just talking about based off of the history of what's happened between the two, there isn't really a necessary reason that they should fight a third one, right? There isn't something there. There isn't some wrong thing. Even me, uh, a person who, you know, I do not like. I do not like Conor McGregor. Um, I've been actively rooting against him for a while, right? Uh, But even in that last fight against Diaz, there there isn't anything to me that said, oh, yeah, we need to give Diaz another shot at this. For what? We saw this. We saw this already. We we, we know how this fight's going to go. If it stays on the feet, Conor probably wins. If it goes to the mat at all, it's all over with. We know exactly what's going to happen. Why do I need to see this a third time? I've already seen the possible outcomes of this. Because Diaz, like, for, for, for all the great things that Diaz does, he's not going to knock you out on the feet. He's just not going to do it. He doesn't have that type of punching power. So knowing that he doesn't have that type of punching power, never has, and he's getting up there in age, and, and, and I'm not saying that to, to, like, criticize him and, like, and put in some type of thought that maybe he's not taking care of himself because the Diaz brothers – Part, being fit is just part of their life, right? But being fighter fit and being in that condition to go in there and, and put hands on another person and physically dominate them with your will, with your will, excuse me, man, that's a whole different dip, different type of shape you have to be in. So for me, I don't see a, a purpose in doing another Diaz fight. And le- like I said, unless we're just saying, what's going to make the most money for you before you got to hang it up entirely? Now, if we're approaching it on that level, Connor, go ahead, fight Diaz again. You're going to sell money. You're going to sell tickets there. You'll probably actually win that fight because um, I think you learned your lesson about going to the ground with Mr. Diaz. <laughs> I think you learned that lesson real quick with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't see you going to the, the ground with him. And Nick Diaz, and, and excuse me, Nick has never been someone that just dominates you with like takedowns like that. That's, that's not his style. That's more no. so his brother's style. His brother is more so, I'll pressure you all day with takedowns. He's more, I'm going to pressure you with an, an absurd amount of strike output and see if you can deal with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I say, that's – but but you can say that about both the DS boys. Like I say, they both like to throw volumes and volumes of strikes and overwhelm you. But you are right. Nick is more known for trying to get the takedowns and, <laughs> and you know, submit you where – Nate's always been known more for, okay, I'm going to stand here with you, but if it goes to the ground, then I'm going to take you out. That's, that's, that's always been, been the Diaz mantra. Cause, cause when I look at the Diaz brothers, like say the one image I always have burned into my head was, was uh, Nick Diaz uh, knocking out Paul Daly 
in a strike force fight. And mind you, like I say, if, for those of you who aren't familiar with Paul Daly, Paul Daly was built like a welterweight version of Francis Ngannou. Paul Daly was a hell of a fighter, man. Right. But but I'm trying to give people like a visual in their mind. Like say, because mm-hmm. if you know Francis, just imagine a smaller version of Francis at a lighter weight class. That's Paul Daly. Paul Daly could knock you out in one punch. You know, granted, we granted that man got kicked out of the UFC because he decided he wanted to hit Josh Koscheck after the bell after after the fight. But like when he went to Strike Force, he became the man. He was a you know, the man was on the rise. And then he fought Nick Diaz and Diaz like like I was waiting for Daly to land like one or two good punches and for Diaz to get rocked. I saw Diaz just pepper him with strike after strike after strike. And eventually Daly just got like tore up. And mind you, this isn't this isn't something that is five rounds, you know, a war, and then he all of a sudden goes down. No. This is the first round of that fight. That's how much volume that Nick Diaz threw. And to give context, everybody, the reason he uh, Daly got up and hit Koscheck after the round after the fight was over with was be- if I still view it this way to this day, Koscheck was kicking his ass that night, and I'm guessing he probably said some pretty greasy things to him as he was kicking his ass. Because anybody that knows anything about Josh Koscheck, that guy's mouth was running all day long it wasn't until after he got his face broken by gsp that he stopped being such a big talker with guys right but before that that dude's mouth was running so i'm sure he said some greasy stuff to him and uh paul the daily reacted in a way that you shouldn't react you know you should if you're a fighter going in you shouldn't (coughs) you shouldn't react in a way like that to cheap shot a guy after the round you know that that that's not cool and, and it's not defensible by any means so that's what happened there. But, yeah, I, like I said, man, unless it's going to be a money fight, T, what, do you see any purpose outside of it being a money fight? No. No, there's, there, was, there, was no pur- there was no purpose in, in – in, in, there's no purpose in that fight outside of it being a money fight. You know, let's say Connor and Nate are not in – Connor and Nate are not in in positions where they want to where they're going to be going to titles right after that fight because if Connor gets a gets a title fight after after fighting Nate Diaz, it makes no sense because Nate's not even a ranked opponent right now. Mm-hmm. Like like Connor would have to be a top four or five fighter to get a title shot in my opinion, but Nate. Nate has never been one of those has not been in the top like 10 in quite some time. Look, if like, we're being honest, Diaz at this point for all intents and purposes, if we're being fair and we're calling it even with our, our the guys that we like, right? He's just a name at this point. That's all he is. He's just a name to draw people into the building. Other than that, as far as where he is actually as a fighter, no, he doesn't deserve to be in a position where he's fighting as a potential main event on a card. Absolutely not. 
because you know whoever kind of fights right it's going to end up being the main event of the card so yep. yeah like no, no no damn reason at all that Diaz should be in the in the at this point and hey no like I said no disrespect to Diaz but I the one thing I think I me and you have both loved about the Diaz brothers over time is that they've always had um some level of of personal awareness and I think even Diaz will tell you at this point yeah, I don't really. If, if if you shot him with the the true serum, yeah, he's gonna tell you I don't really deserve these fights, but I'll take them because it's a paycheck, <laughs> and it's a big paycheck at that. Oh yeah, let's say it, it it will be definitely be a big paycheck, but let's say we'll we'll see if Connor decides to adhere to the advice of the former middleweight champion Mike Bisming. Because you call him his proper name, the Count Michael Bisping. <laughs> I mean, he's the Count, and he's also the former middleweight champion. So it's not like, you know, it's not like I, I think it's incorrect. But <laughs> regardless, Drew, it's time to get into the entertainment portion of the show, and. We've talked about this before, but let's say this this show is being recorded after the opening weekend for it. Jerome, do you know what the weekend take-in was for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? Mm, I have not seen it reported yet. Well, I'll put you like this. So, box office estimates from the studios where it was going to do 30 to 40 million. Mm-hmm. From the from the last reports I did, from the last reports I saw, it did ninety six million over Labor Day weekend. Well, that's a good thing. Congrats that's to good... Uh, congrats to them for doing that. I, there's a lot of people who they are getting their true like first chance to really star in a big blockbuster like that, and congratulations to them for making that a successful movie. It looks exciting to me. I just haven't gotten to the theater yet to see it myself. Still a little cautious here because of COVID. Oh, I understand. Let's say it, but like I say, here's the thing that because we talked about this on the show recently, and that was that there were reports out there that Disney was losing faith in Marvel. Well, I wonder with this kind of opening for a movie that not only you know was it, it didn't come from a pro, from a pre-established property that everybody knew about okay this this wasn't coming from you know this wasn't an iron man or a spider-man movie or something like that no this is a brand new pro, this is a property that we had never seen on the screen before and it still killed at the box office it still did great you know like say it, say Marvel knows how to do their movies right and the fans turn up in droves to see them. I say I'm one of those fans. I haven't seen Shang seen Shang-Chi yet. You know, I was thinking I was contemplating about doing it earlier in the week, but you know, I, I got lazy and I decided I wanted to just, you know, stay at home and watch TV, iron a little bit, do some vacuuming, you know, get things ready. But The question now is, is because they were talking about the performance of this movie is going to have an effect on 
on what we what, what we'll see down the road, like the Eternals and stuff like that. And I think we're, we're, we're needless to say that the Eternals are going to be fine with their release date. And we already know that that Marvel and Disney have a juggernaut coming out in what I want to say December with Spider-Man No Way Home. Like we already so, know that movie is going to be a juggernaut. So I want to address something that you said. I think the reports that Disney was losing faith in Marvel, I think was all bull crap. If you want me to be honest, I never believed the reporting. I thought it was all just people trying to jump on the, on the bandwagon of, Oh, black widow didn't perform how they wanted it to, you know, it didn't get to the expected number. And so Disney's losing faith in them. It's like, come on dog. Marvel has made them over a billion dollars and at the box office, if you just combine a couple of their movies, they've made over a billion dollars at the box office. Okay. Heck, you don't even need so, to combine a couple of the movies. You look at in-game. Exactly. So it's like, the, the, this is what I'm saying. People are like, don't fall for the hype. Don't believe stupid, stupid stuff when you hear it like that. Because in reality, let, let, let's just put it to you this way, right? If you, no matter what your product is, if you had a, a line of products, and one of your products was consistently getting you a massive return on dollars invested, would you be getting fed up with that? Or would you be like, man, we didn't even pay a billion dollars to get all of these properties back together, and we've already made that from one movie? <laughs> like, they, 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 just think about that for a second, T. Disney didn't even pay a billion dollars to get all these properties back together. They didn't even pay that, and they've been making money hand over fist. I say it's it's one it's it's a it's a strange situation, but oh, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They paid four billion for it, so they've already made all their money back. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, just for the sense of accuracy, they paid four billion to acquire Marvel Entertainment, and yeah, they've already made that money way back. I say, we'll, I say, we'll see what happens in the future. And for those of you who don't, who don't watch uh, the What If series, please go ahead and check it out. They just had a new episode drop recently, and this one includes zombies. So how do you feel about the series so far? I will say, because I've heard a lot of different things uh, from people, the episodes I've enjoyed the most so far are T'Challa as Star-Lord. <laughs> and, yeah, that was a fun episode. And also the Zombies episode. Because you know me, I'm a big Zombies guy. Say To the point okay. in which I kind of... To the point in which I want the zombie apocalypse to happen, just so I can, you know, be like, hey, let's go ahead and kill some zombies. But let me ask you this. How did you feel about the um, about the Doctor Strange episode? Because that was the darkest of the episodes so far. That episode was pretty dark, right? And it ended on a total dark note. So, like, how did you feel about that? I feel like, say, if, if if we're doing these episodes, that I personally would have waited for that for that particular episode till we were getting close to the release date for uh, the Doctor Strange movie, 
because then it's a little bit more okay. Well, let's see what we get after we got this. Let's see what we're getting over here in multi in the multiverse of madness. That's just me personally, but I didn't dislike it. It's just you know, like I say, the rest of the episodes kind of had a little like okay, this is a little fun twist to it. This was that one, like you said, was definitely a much much darker ep- episode. So yeah, if. If you haven't started watching the series, you need to start watching it. It's very good. Also, for people that always have like questions about potential other timelines and stuff like that that can be going on, that's exactly what this show is giving you. So you need to take the time and check it out. Yep. But while people are going ahead, taking time to check that out, it's time for Jerome to do what he does best. And that is call shenanigans. Ladies and gentlemen, Spanish shenanigans. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the mind of a madman. Got some fun stories for you this week. Got some uh, some strange ones and, you know, some serious ones. So. Let's get this week started with our Clown of the Week. That's right. We're coming right out of the gates with the Clown of the Week. And it goes to a guy who has already previously won. This is now his second win of Clown of the Week on the year. And that is Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Now, T, did you happen to catch Mr. Abbott's comments that he made yesterday? Did you happen to catch him? I did not. Okay. So, when asked why sexual assault victims who get pregnant have to carry to term under Texas law, Abbott first says, Thrill, that they have a, you know, they have six weeks, right? Which is draconian. 100% 100% draconian, you know, this is like this, this whole ongoing stuff with the right to an abortion. We've covered this a lot on Span Shenanigans. I know we have people I've talked about. We've seen several states in the South trying to pass it, pass laws like this. Texas is really like the first one to really be able to get away with this due to Supreme Court ruling. But he says they have six weeks to get an abortion. And then he also says T, he's going to get rid of rape by arresting all future rapists. Now, T, if only someone would have thought of that first to just arrest all the rapists, then there will be no more rape. If, if only someone had thought of that before, T. That sounds like he's trying to do minority report. Brother, I look, man, at the end of the day, we are watching draconian laws being passed laws that we should be way past and that we're not because we have never federally really protected the right to the abortion in the way that we should. I'm not saying to anyone that may object to an abortion that you have to like it and that it has to be something that you would choose for yourself or for someone in your family. But all I'm saying is, is that, not 
just on this level alone, because I don't want to get into all the other stuff, but not everybody is equipped with first off the mental facilities to be a parent. And second off, they may not have the life that is right for them to be a parent. So if you really care about these children, we need to make sure that people have the rights to do, make the proper decisions for themselves. So we are not having more children being born into situations to where they cannot be properly taken care of. More children being not properly taken care of does not do service to anyone. I know people, I know we have friends that have their religious beliefs, right? But they, we've had conversations. I'll tell you who I'm talking about off air, T. I don't want to put them on blast here, <laughs> but we've had conversations off air and they understand that, yeah, they don't have to agree with it. You know, they don't have to think that it's something that they, that, that, that people should do, but they also respect the right that somebody has the right to make that decision for their self and that their personal view should not stand in someone's way. So people, we need to do a better job of making sure that we can get elected officials in the places that we need then in the places that we need them to. So laws like this can be avoided in the future. Um, I'll say it like this, Jerome. I adhere to the same policy that Dave Chappelle said and one of his comedy specials. Since I can't have, have a kid, I should just shut the fuck up. <laughs> and because yeah. cause in all honesty, no, okay, number one, as a man, there is no time I should ever have control over a what a woman chooses to do with her body. If Great. let's say if if a woman wants to go get breast implants, hey, go for it. One wants to go get ass implants. Hey, go. Hey, that's her choice. You know, and it's and yes, those are cosmetic things. This is something very different. But there's no time I should be able to determine that. And plus, plus, if there was a situation where okay, you know, a woman was thinking about abortion and you know and stuff like that, and she came and talked to me about it, my only my only retort. Mind you, like say, and this is me like talking to a friend, not like this is my kid, but this is me talking to a friend. I would clearly say to them, do what you must. Uh, like say, I don't personally ag- agree with it because I've always because, and this is this is a theory that's come up from from you know my upbringing. You you know my family, mm-hmm. but I do I think it should be done in a way of birth control? No. But do I believe that every woman has a right to right to choose and it's her, her choice? Yes. So, you know, like I say, and there are situations where it is perfectly paramount for a woman to go that route. Mm-hmm. You know? So with, with all that being said, with all that negative stuff that they're doing, I just want to point out, so in the laws... Um, it's being stated that essentially, you know, if you know someone trying to help a person get out of state to get an abortion, basically someone can call and snitch on you. Well, Lyft has put out a statement stating that they do not agree with the law at all. And and the fact that any Lyft driver that faces any type of legal ramifications for this, they have a fund set up for all of those people to make sure that they have legal representation that can keep them from having to deal with the consequences from the nonsensical law that was passed there in Texas. But 
moving forward here. This week, T, I saw something on the internet that, that, that you know, you know, T, you know, I don't really normally get upset by the by the silly things that people say on the internet, right? Like when they post their little, their little, oh, I like this better than that, or whatever, or this person, this athlete is greater than that one, or whatever. Like you know, I, I generally don't get myself caught up in those, in those things. But I saw something this week that really, 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 really. I don't know. I don't know why it got so under my skin, but it got under my skin. But T, I saw a lot of people out here this week trying to pass off the message of saying, you know, essentially, all the Marvel fans should really be thanking the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies and the X-Men movies. Otherwise, we would have never gotten an MCU movie. Okay? I just want to point out to everyone, we should be thanking Blade because without Blade, we don't get those X-Men movies, period. Because for those that do not know, at that time, Marvel Studios was on the verge of bankruptcy. What saved them? The Blade movies. So if we're going to sit here and start giving out the roses to everybody, let's give them out to the proper people. Let's give it out to the people that are behind Blade and the, and the actors and actresses that were in that series. They are the reason that we have this MCU. Let's get that right. I don't know why it got me so angry, T, but it really did. It got me really, really angry. It's because, it's because people want to pretend like the Blade movies, they want to pretend like they came out later than they did. But in all honesty, like the first Blade movie came out, I want to say in 1999. Yep. So, so and, and mind you, the first X-Men movie didn't come out till what, 2000? And Spider-Man didn't come out till 01? So you're talking, like, if that Blade movie wouldn't have performed well? About 98. Oh, Blade came out in 98, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so you're talking, if that Blade movie wouldn't have performed well, then... You know, let's say two years later, we wouldn't have got the X-Men. And then a year after that, we wouldn't have got Spider-Man. Like, it's literally one of those things where don't give credit to the people you think deserve it. It's You need to give credit where it's due. And that's what Wesley Snipes and uh, Stephen Dorff and Chris Christopherson, who were mm-hmm. all major players in that first Blade movie. So, just to I was trying to give context with things here, right? So for those that don't understand, what part of that strategy for Marvel to keep afloat at that time was they were licensing out characters and they were selling off characters' rights to like movie studios and stuff. That's how Fox, I'm sorry, yes, Fox. That's how they got a hold of the Spider-Man rights, right? No, Sony. Sony, Sony, yeah, I'm sorry. That's how Sony got a hold of it because they needed money and Sony was like, well, we'll pay you a lot of money to be able to use Spider-Man. We'll pay you a lot. And so that's how that ended up happening. That's how deals like that were made. So let's just be thankful to the, to the people that really, really set the stage for everything moving forward here. Now, our next story here is kind of sad. And this one happened uh, recently here. And that was seeing on September 8th when Michael K. Williams actually was, reported to be found dead in his, I believe in his hotel room. I use his hotel room or his apartment. But um, 
they are suspecting a drug overdose from what I've seen reported so far. It hasn't been confirmed from anything I've seen, but you know, I, I also have been trying to not read too much into this story because it makes me sad to see that a talented person like that has now also passed away in the midst of everything going on. So I just want to say, you know, uh, rest in power there, Michael Williams, because you were in my lifetime, you were one of the better actors that I had seen, period. You've played two of my more favorite characters and two of my more favorite shows in The Wire and in um, Boardwalk Empire. You were excellent in both. You've also been excellent in several other things that you've done. You were you were great. And uh, recently when you played in Lovecraft Country, you were awesome in that role. So rest in power to you, Mr. Michael K. Williams. Um, I hope your family can take the time to grieve. And I hope those that are close to you can take the time to grieve you and celebrate your name and, and make sure that people don't ever forget about your name. Uh, T, I, had you, I, I'm pretty sure you've watched The Wire. Had you ever watched uh, Boardwalk Empire? No, but I did watch Lovecraft Country. So you know exactly what I mean. He's a super, supremely, supremely talented actor. So um, I, I just, it, it's just always sad when we end up losing someone as talented as that that is out here making, you know, great, great, great content for all of us. Um, for those that don't know, he did, he did have his own demons and everything. You know, he did have a lot of things that he suffered too. I don't really want to go into that, but regardless, rested in power to one of the greatest actors of a generation in my mind. I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's, that's the way I feel about him, to be honest. Let's say I can't, I can't, you know, deny that, like say, very talented actor, and I mean, like say, there's not much, not much else I need to say. Absolutely, absolutely. But moving forward here, uh, the story was put out after the premiere of Daniel Bryan at AEW, which we are going to talk about. Um, it was put out that Daniel Bryan actually stated that Vince. And WWE actually made him a very, very, very generous offer. And we're going to allow him to work outside of WWE. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because for all of us fans here, this may be the beginning of Vince seeing the light. I don't know if it is, but this is something, this is good news for all of us as wrestling fans, because that means we are going to get to see hopefully better wrestling products and the wrestlers themselves getting treated better so we don't have to see some of them go through the long-term struggle, struggles that some of the wrestlers that me and Terrell grew up with are going through or had, had previously been going through. So, you know, hopefully uh, that, that, that is a sign of things going better here. But our next story in line here. Terrell, you know I have been very, very hard on Dabo Sweeney. You know I don't, I'm not a big fan of him. I think he's an, uh, a privileged a-hole. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't really have many kind of things to say. So with that in mind, <laughs> sucks to be you, Dabo. Boy, it was nice to watch you, your team get their teeth kicked in because you know what was making me smile that whole time during that boring 
boring games, he was watching how angry and frustrated Dabo Sweeney was on the sideline. My goodness, T, how that made me smile so much. So much. So to the privileged a-hole Dabo Sweeney, all I have to say is, ah-ha-ha-ha, ah ha ha ah ha 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 ah ha 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 ah ha 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 Yes, I know I'm petty. I know. I know. <laughs> but moving forward here, um, as of recently, T, I've been trying to follow more independent um, independent wrestling organizations, and I mm-hmm. just want to give a shout out to one that I came across. Um, it it is by it is from a wrestler i and i actually happened to look more into her after that um her name is natasupo i don't know if you have you heard of her t can't say i have okay so she had an awesome awesome match with um with another wrestler called the starlight kid if you have a chance look it up on youtube the matches on youtube it is easily one of the best matches i've seen this year the artistry in the match was amazing. The fact that these two had such excellent chemistry was just, I, I can't speak in droves about it enough. So just want to send a shout out to those ladies there because they put out one of the best matches I have seen, period, this year. Um, T, I'll actually tag you in the, the highlight clip for that so you can see what I'm talking about. But yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. I actually tweeted it out this earlier this week so if you go on my twitter page you will actually see that uh that posting there you will see it but don't want to get caught up in in too much of anything here but t this is gonna be unusual but i gotta give a shout out to ariel hawani here t okay and you want to know why because ariel said something really really excellent t and it is on the whole fact of everybody getting mad at Jake Paul, right? And trying to say that he's making everything into a clown show with, with uh, you know, combat sports. But Ariel said one of the most brilliant things I've heard on this. He said, I think it's funny how people get so upset about their presence when, re- when in reality, all it's doing is bringing more eyeballs to the sport of boxing and combat sports goes on to say the gimmick is brilliant he turned it into a jake paul versus an mma and it's working they are all falling for it hook line and sinker reminds me of andy kaufman versus pro wrestling back in the day why would he stop now Nati, i know you know about the andy kaufman versus pro wrestling yep wouldn't you say that's an astute observation by mr hawani The only difference in the observation is Andy Kaufman was actually talented. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's let's say, yeah, because you got to think of it like this. The Paul brothers as a whole, although I don't think that they're great people, they are... See, we both, we think they're shit people, to be honest. But they say they're... But, Look at the paychecks that a lot of these guys that they fought have come home with. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, say you got guys who 
fought in the UFC, who fought in other organizations and stuff like that. And then you've had, and, and they made a lot of money, like a lot of money. Like it's scary how much money that these guys made fighting the Paul brothers, who are not, who who you know aren't aren't people who came to prominence as boxers, they're people that came to prominent prominence as YouTubers. So it's 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 kind of amazing to see what the Paul brothers have done. And yeah, like I say, it's very true. Like he's getting more recognition for the sport of boxing, you know, because in all honesty, Jerome. Combat sports as a whole is lacking for big stars, and and, mm-hmm. and the fact that the Paul brothers are two of the biggest stars in combat sports tells you how much of a yearning there was for that spot to be filled. Well, I mean, look for people that don't understand. I actually was having a conversation with some some of the people I met from Blaine, uh, my buddy Blaine. Shouts to him, bro, Blaine. Uh, Good to see you there, brother. Good to meet you and uh, meet the wife there. It was awesome. But um, we're having a conversation with some people at the table, and I, I don't want to mention their names because I don't know if they're comfortable with it. But you know, I'm, I'm trying to respect people's privacy. But they were asking me essentially about you know, do you think it's kind of becoming a clown show? And I gave them the perspective of, well, I mean, this is kind of what combat sports has always been. It's there's always been that circus part of it but if we're being honest let's just talk about things who was the highest paid paid ufc fighter and champion in 2020 khabib t how much do you think he made last in 2020 how much Mm. do you think he made maybe like three to five he made six million last year oh okay highest ufc non-paid uh highest non-ufc champion in 2020 was connor he made three million right right how much money do you think uh, Peter Yan made for his for his year of 2020? Wait, who? Uh, Peter Yan. Uh, maybe like five hundred thousand. He made two hundred and thirty thousand mm. dollars. The lowest paid fighter last year in all of UFC was Cole Williams. He made nine thousand and five hundred dollars. That's it. Mm. If we're talking about pay here, people, and we're talking about is it a clown show and everything like that, look, man, I'm sorry, dog. These guys are getting cheated. They're getting maybe 10 to 20% of the revenue at best, and that and 20% is being generous on the estimates, right? So if that's the case, I just got to simply say I'm not mad at any of these guys for going out here and getting their money, Okay. Now, the last story of the week, I am going to close out Span Shenanigans with this. So over the last couple of weeks, we saw Trent Dilfer. There was a clip put out of him pushing one of his players on the sideline and getting kind of physical with them in very uncomfortable ways. Now, this is something that we've talked about on this show for years, which is that when there is that power dynamic at play and you are the coach and the, and, and the players are powerless, you should never, ever lay your hands on someone when you are the per- person in the position of power. You should not do that. That is not appropriate. I know a lot of us grew up with that, with some of that being okay, but if we're just being real about it, not, that's not okay. Right? You're not supposed to lay your hands on people like that unless you're ready for that person, and, and it's okay for that person to then lay their hands back on you, right? 
Well, Trent Dilfer, he got caught up in it, and I have to just give him – I don't want to give him a, a, an applause or a pat on the back, but I just have to give him credit because I killed him on the air with me and Mace for at least being man enough to come out and outright apologize and not try and put any of the blame on his player. And he took 100% of the blame and stood up as a man and said, I was wrong. So it's Trent Dilfer, sir. I tip my cap to you for being a man and standing up and not trying to just sit there and defend your bad behavior and being willing to stand up and apologize in a public forum in the same way that you embarrassed your player in that public forum. So Trent Dilfer, I tip my hat to you. And again, ladies and gentlemen, I tell you each and every week, please stop paying attention to the Kardashians. I know y'all been listening to me because they're going off the air, baby. I don't know if they're fully off, but I know they're going off and I'm happy and I appreciate y'all for letting for making their ratings go down so they would get their asses off the air. Appreciate every one of y'all for that. But again, I tell you each and every week, please stop listening, paying attention to the Kardashians and keeping up with them. They don't give a damn about you. They only give a damn about your money and trying to take your money. That's it. Pay attention to science. Science will help change your life and people around you's lives for the better. And that's all I got for you this week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Span Shenanigans for this week. I say make sure that, you know, you follow Jerome on Twitter so you can get a little bit more of his insight and also shoot him a message. He might be able to share some of these stories with you. But in the meantime, Jerome, there's only one thing we need to talk about in the world of pro wrestling, and that was the pay-per-view that happened recently in our good old home city of Sweet Home, Chicago, and that is All Elite Wrestling's All Out. That's right. This is the third iteration of All Out we have seen. Yes, and I'm saying the third iteration of All Out because guess what? All In was not All Out. Different name. Yes, it's a technicality, but I don't care. <laughs> it matters. But I have to say, Jerome, let's say instead of you know ordering the pay-per-view through my cable provider, I decided to try it on uh, Bleacher Report Live and I will say this, Jerome, how often do I say I'm glad I sp- spent money on anything? Not very often. That's why I mean, it's part of the reason me and you get along so well. We're both cheap as I don't know what. Well, we're frugal. We're frugal. We're not cheap. We're frugal. That was probably 50 of the best dollars I ever spent in my life. Mm. And, and that's and that's as a wrestling f- and, and mind you, let's say I've I've gone on www.shop.com. I've gone to, on pro wrestling tees. I've gotten t-shirts, you know, but as a wrestling fan watching pay-per-views, let's say I've ordered AEW full gear. I've ordered AEW revolution double or nothing. And those were good shows, but something was missing for me for each one of those shows that made me go. I'm happy. I spent the money all out from top to bottom. You know, let's say you had one match in the whole cart that literally was just like, okay, don't really need this one, but I understand what they're going to do with it. Um, that was like, okay, we don't really need this. We could have had this on a Dynamite or a Rampage. But I also believe you need filler matches. And if you look at the entire card of All Out, there was only one filler match, and that was Big Show versus QT Marshall. 
I'm sorry, Paul White versus QT Marshall. I have to say that I was very, very much happy with the entire show. I mean, the one of the funniest moments I will say though was right right at the beginning of the Darby Allen CM Punk match when Punk was coming when Punk was in got in the ring before you know the match actually officially started was our good friend friend of the show Debo he messaged me saying have we has Punk ever worn long tights and I legit had to go to my knowledge no like that's that's the honest honest truth because for those of you that aren't aren't familiar with CM Punk well, if you're not familiar with it, then I don't know why you're listening to the show, but CM Punk is a Chicago guy. And CM Punk being a Chicago guy, you know, like I say, a lot of us got to see him when he was coming up. And you're talking about a guy who used to wrestle in, like, basketball shorts and things like that. Then he went to, like, say, the smaller trunks when he, you know, went to WWE and stuff like that. Never seen him wear long tights. So it was kind of weird. It's kind of like how when Jericho went from the long tights to the smaller tights, it's just like, wait, what? Because you had always seen him in long tights for a long time. So it was always, so it was kind of a little bit of a shock, but like, let me, let me get your, let me ask you this, Jerome. What was your favorite part of the pay per view altogether? Um, See, that's hard. That's really hard for me because I really, really liked CM Punk and Darby's match, right? I also really, really liked the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers match. Um, and I also really, really liked how they opened the card up with Best Friends at Jurassic Express, man. Like, that was... Those three matches were probably my favorite ones on the night. But if you said gun to the head, I got to choose one. I'm going to go with CM Punk and Darby Allen because they had a lot of throwbacks to one of my personal all-time favorite matches, Bret Hart and Xbox. So... If I had, yeah, if I had to choose one, T, that that would probably be the one. Well, it, hold on, let, let let me say it right. I'm sorry, Bret Hart versus the one two three kid, okay? Because he was technically the one two three kid at that time. But yeah, that is that was probably my favorite match because they did a great job with the storytelling in the match, and it was highly enjoyable to see that. Though. The Omega and um, and Christian Cage match, that was a very excellent, excellent way to end the night. It was also great to end the night with the Daniel Bryan reveal. Not to, not to, mention, I, not to mention the AEW debut of one Mr. Adam Cole, baby. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was cool, too. My, I, I, but still, at the end of the day, when I watched that Omega and Cage match, I was still left wanting the match that I really wanted. And, hey, it's, hey. And, it, 
Hangman yeah, and Kenny. Yeah, like, and it's and it's no, and it's to no slight on Christian Cage in his performance in that match or in or in the build up to this right and everything. He's been great, man. Like Christian has been performing, he's been doing his thing. But for me, as someone to where part of what's gotten me invested into AEW <coughs> is the Hangman Page storyline. I wanted to see that play out. I wanted to see that ending. And it like everything was pointing to the ending being here and to not get it kind of sucks. I say, because now mind you, as somebody who's been with a, who's been, you know, following AEW since day one. Okay. And I mean, if if you want to say like, say day, day one, AEW or as far back as all out and and mind you, like say I watch things like being the elite. So you know, a lot of the stuff they they had a lot of stuff that they they were doing that they did that was featured on being the elite. Like if you if you look back at it, where when Adam Cole showed up and the Young Bucks gave him a kiss on each cheek and Kenny kissed his head, that's something that they were doing in Ring of Honor that was heavily featured on being the elite. Granted, they kicked Adam Cole out of the Bullet Club when he went to. The- because, you know, he couldn't be a Billet Club anymore. So they had to, you know, find a nice way of doing it, of getting getting him out of, you know, the Bullet Club. But yeah, when you look at, when you look in terms of like what they do, it's always very well done. The only other place that they could tell that story where they could cap it off is, is full gear in November. And, and, and the main reason <clears throat> I say this, because a lot of people would be like, well, they should have finished it all out, you know, because he didn't win the championship and all. Yeah, but don't forget, like, say, here, here's the part of the story that, like, me, myself, I always have to remind myself of. Hangman, Page, and Kenny Omega. Remember, it was a match in a in a world title qualify, like, say, tournament that got Kenny Omega the shot against Moxley that Kenny won the belt. And who did he beat in the finals at full gear? Hangman Page. So they say if at full gear, you know, like say they give Hangman the shot at Kenny and he wins and he wins it there, then I'm okay. But yes, do I think like say the story would have been better? Okay, first ever, you know, the first, you know, the crowning of the first ever AEW champion, Hangman doesn't get doesn't get it all out. Yeah, I think that would that's a great story. But then you tell the story of okay, Hangman couldn't beat Kenny in the tournament final. Well, maybe he can beat Kenny now because he's not, you know, but we got, we, we have to see what happens in terms of, of what they're going to do with hangman. Cause pretty much anytime past full gear, I think you missed the boat, but once again, we have to wait and see. And you know what? On the night, too, shout-outs to Ruby Soho, bro. Because she finally got the love that she should have been getting for the for quite a few years in WWE. And she finally got to have a great moment with the crowd and have a big moment in front of the crowds, you know, too. So shout-outs to her. That was a very, very well-deserved thing. That was something that actually put a big smile on my face to see that they allowed her to come in and, and to start shining right away. That was pretty awesome. 
Oh yeah, like I say Ru- Ruby Soho is somebody who, like I said, we've been very high on, and it, like I say, mm-hmm. and, and she she kind of got lost in that shuffle in WWE. Let's be honest, she got screwed. She got screwed there. Yeah. She did. Yeah, and you don't really know what's going to happen when it does, because a, a town like Ruby Soho should be greatly celebrated. You know, and now granted, do I think she should come into all elite wrestling and immediately, you know, like say take the belt off of Britt Baker? No, because right now Britt Baker is freaking on another stratosphere <clears throat> as far as as far as where her popularity is and as far as where as far as you know, like say where she is as a in ring performer. Like just just watching Britt Baker from the first time I saw her at the first ever all in pay per view when she was in a four way match with Chelsea Green. Uh, Madison Rain and Tessa Blanchard to where she is now, night and day difference. And it, it, isn't it fair to say though, at this point, w- wouldn't it be fair to say that Britt doesn't actually need the title to be successful now in AEW? Wouldn't it be oh, fair yeah. to say that? Oh, it's very fair to say that. It's very fair. Like, I'll put you like this: the AEW Women's Division. And I know it's going to sound really weird to people, but the AEW Women's Division really kind of got its footing during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like it, like a lot of people be like, "Wait, how 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 would they find their footing during the pandemic?" Because now you you're developing these characters, you're developing you know these these people, and there were some that were. Doing, they were doing okay, and you just like, okay, you know, I, I can get behind this. But then you had the ones who were missing something, and they were able to find it in the pandemic when you had no crowd to play off of, and you knew you had to go out there and shine and entertain. Like, even, let's say, think about it. Britt Baker became a heel right before the pandemic, like, shut everything, shut everything down. Like Britt Baker became a heel, and she and it took her a while to find her footing, but then mm-hmm. like she also got injured, so that gave her some more time. And when she came back from that injury, it was a whole new person. It was a whole new Britt Baker, who just kind of came out and was just and just kind of was clicking on all cylinders. So, you know, like say that AEW Women's Division, because remember for a long time we were not, we did not give them any quarter on that. We. We we, no, were, we were we were them. we were killing them. Now, now it's one of those things where I have nothing bad to say. Like their tag team division is on fire. Their single their 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 singles division is on fire. Both men and women's. Um, you you know, know what my one gripe with them is. I'm aware. You know, I, and I don't want to harp on it too much, but it's still true. So I just want them to do better there. Right. And that's the thing. You have a guy like Powerhouse Hobbs who, mind you, like say, I was recently at a party with, you know, like say uh, the, that was held in honor for Busted Open Radio. Uh, that's hosted by the wonderful Dave LaGreca. And I'm you know, still upset say, that, she, that she didn't bring me to that though. Uh, bro, do you, bro, number one, we made, me and Debo made the decision to go to that. Like literally three days before, man, I ain't and getting plus, no call. And plus, plus, 
How plus how often do you listen to Busted Open? I ain't getting no call. I say say, but but Powerhouse Hobbs, dude, that guy, that guy, like if you see Powerhouse Hobbs on TV, I say he looks like a big dude, but like in real life, like he's he's a little bit more felt than he looks on TV than what his wrestling gear makes him look like. Because I saw him just I saw him and I'm just like, okay, he's a big guy, but he's not like as thick as I thought he would be. Like he's you know, like say good size. Like say he's a good size. Like he's big, but he's not overly big. He's not, you know, he's not somebody you're just like, dear God, that man's a monster. No. Um and then also, you know, the beautiful Gabby from Busted Open Radio. I mean, let's say she would let's just say that. Let's just say, and 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 for all our fans that are listening that are women, I'm sorry to say this, but dear God almighty, that woman has courage for days. <laughs> like, 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 like like that. I, you know, like, I, I couldn't tell you because you know I didn't get an invite, so I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Oh yeah, but you know, but you know who was it was really interesting to see at that party? Who? Izzy. Really, Izzy was there. Izzy was there. Izzy is a big is a is is a good friend of the busted of busted open, and she was at the party, and like, and it's one of those things where we're like me and Debo. Yes, I was with Debo at the party. Me and Again, Debo, we were looking. We, me and Debo were looking. Who you've been doing a show with for years. Didn't even get an invite into getting well, a room with a bunch of people in the industry that we cover. All I'm saying oh, is, let's if, hear it. Let's hear it. What you saying? Hold on. If you say if you listen to Busted Open, then you would have known about it, and then you would have came to me. What the? F- you gonna try to flip this on to me? Hey Terrell. Yep. Okay. Well, here, let me flip I'm this a, on to you. I'm hey Terrell. Hey, Terrell, haven't we, fl- haven't we a, had conversations about doing things and going to more events, especially with the stuff in that we cover? Have we not had that conversation? Yes, we have. All right, then, Blackie, I don't want to hear nothing. Don't try and put that shit on me. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Nope. What's, this in, what's this in MMA event? What's half of our show, T? Hold on, no, no, no. Answer the question. 50, was it MMA? What is fifty percent of our show, T? Was it an MMA event? What is fifty percent of our show, T? Answer, answer the question. No, T. What, what is? But what's fifty what, percent of our show, T? I answered the question. No, what's fifty percent of our show, T? I'm getting to that. I'm getting that. Was this an actual pro wrestling event? Because there was no wrestling hey. taking part of, and plus, hey. let's not forget, let's not forget who and who when, like, say when when we needed a third person, we wanted you to be our Hulk Hogan to me and Debo's Hall and Nash to the th- second Jericho Cruise, who 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 elected not to go. We invited you to something. So, okay, what that got to do with what we're talking about? Can I just? What's ask? love got to do with it? got to do it what, what, okay what, what does that got to do because t here's what i know you didn't even give me an invite you didn't even give me a phone call i'm offended sir i'm offended hey like i said <laughs> this was something that literally i tossed out to debo like like three weeks ago didn't have all the info found it and then i wasn't even sure if i really was gonna go 
And then I talked to Debo, and he was, I'm just like, do you want to do it? He's just like, yeah. I'm like, all right, bet. We'll do it. So. Mm-hmm. And so, in all that time that you was using your phone, you was like, nah, I ain't going to invite him, though. Got trust it. me. Got it. Trust me. Got trust it. me. I was... Trust me, I was using my phone for to get in contact with other people, you know, of the female variety. So sorry, I forgot oh. about you. Oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. So we're gonna use that as your excuse. Okay, got it. I got yep. it. Okay, that's my excuse. Let's mm-hmm. say, and we go, go go completely off track here, but mm-hmm. I, but the one thing I want to ask you is, how do you feel about Daniel Bryan's AEW music? I mean, I was kind of hoping that they wouldn't go with something trying to play off of what he had in WWE. I was hoping they would go like original, but they didn't really go that way. So, I mean, it well, is what it is, right? Well, because like I say, because they did like the, the the classic Flight of the Valkyries, and then all of a sudden they they you know had like a little bit of a hip hop like tw- twist to it, and I was just like, okay, that doesn't really fit him. I'm wondering. I'm wondering because from from all the reports I've heard of that, like when they produced that music, they had to do that really quickly. Like it was a real quick thing to do that music. Even though we had heard about Daniel Bryan coming to AEW, uh, like say for the past couple months, it was apparently like a very real come on, come on, really man. quick thing. Come on. come on, man. We can't give them that cop out because we wouldn't give WWE that cop out. We cannot do that. No, I'm sorry. Well, one, they they were one. hold on. They were in negotiation <laughs> with the man for plenty of time. They could. They knew he was coming. They could have had something prepared. I don't want to hear that crap. That's just trying to get. That's somebody trying to be favorite to trying to show favoritism towards him. No, if, I, if that's something I would kill WWE for, because I would kill him for that. Okay, I'm gonna say no. Y'all should have been better prepared. There's no excuse. They got plenty of money too. Right, and and that's the thing because because I personally thought we were gonna get uh, the final countdown as his theme song because that's what he used on the Independence, and that's what I was expecting when he was gonna show up. And then when they did the whole oh, da, 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 I'm like, okay, so they're playing off of Daniel Bryan for Brian Danielson. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You know where where like say CM Punk they had cultural personality ready to go, but but. But I'm wondering, I, I wonder to myself, like when it comes to licensing music, especially like the final countdown, because that is a very well-known song. Like, like even, 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 even because think about it, Culture Personality was one of those songs that you may have heard, but you may not have known the name of it. And then when CM Punk started using it, it exploded. Like I, I guarantee you, Living Colors just like CM Punk. Although WWE's footing the bill, thank you so much, and probably gave him a huge hug. But and they're probably probably just like, yes, we owe Punk more money because people are listening to the song again. Woohoo! What's but a, uh, fire, those are his friends. So that was like his friends doing him a favor, and and result him doing a large favor for his friends and exposing them to a world of people. That they never right. would have been supposed to before that, right? And that's the thing. Like, say, "Culture Personality" was a different type of song than, say, than say "Final Countdown." Because, 
if you listen to an 80s station long enough, you're going to hear Final <laughs> Countdown. Let's say, like, and we all know, it's the Final Countdown. And like, it's it's one of those songs that you only have to be in the mood to hear it. All of a sudden, you just hear baby? Doo, 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 doo. No, it's not Babyface. What, did, what ba- did, 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 did Babyface just step into the room with you? <laughs> when can I see you again? <laughs> but no. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, it's the final countdown. When can I see you again? Yep, that's what the countdown's for us to see if you're when you can see them again. But but regardless, and I also gotta say, I I let's say I like Adam Cole's music in AEW more than his last uh entrance music before he left NXT because th- that last NXT uh, music for him was just terrible. Like it was terrible. Cause like I say, at least this one, this I mean, one plays what, off. Uh, off. What's up? What good did they really do for Adam Cole in WWE? They misused him for his entire run. Like, what are you talking? What are you talking about? Adam Cole was one of the longest reigning NXT champions. Adam Cole was part of one man. of the most talented okay. groups. Okay, he was. Let's say. Okay, say Adam we Cole, gonna keep Adam, we gonna keep doing this every week with this with this with this NXT what? stuff, right? We're gonna we gonna have to hold keep on, hold on, hold on. Adam, Adam Cole, tell you NXT titles don't mean shit. Hold on, but you can't compare. But you're talking about WWE didn't use him right. Well, he was. Let's say he had what. Two, three appearances on Raw and SmackDown, that mm-hmm. does not equate to WWE not using them right because they no, were doing. No, hold on, hold on, see, because see, they see. were not. Hold on, because they were not. They, they were not, but they weren't doing it to try and build him up on the main roster. They were doing it to try and try and do the whole NXT Survivor Series thing. So see, you, you for you to say they misused him, that's that's wrong. NXT did him right. You are still sitting here. Trying to act as if NXT means piss all, bro. It don't mean nothing. When are you gonna accept it? Just like a couple weeks ago, you were willing to accept it. Now it seems like you you didn't dip back in your WWE nose cast, and now all of a sudden you're back on the high. You're back on the fly. You're back on it with them. No. Come on, dog. Hold like, on. What Hold is on. This? Hold on, but you're trying to say that they didn't do anything for him. The man had classic matches in NXT, so that's not that, that's not hey, saying hey, that they didn't do anything with him. That means he didn't go to the main hey, roster and they hey. didn't shit the bed with him. That means that Adam Cole, as an NXT talent, was one of the top talents that they had. That man, let's say, come on, you remember his hey. match against Ricochet when he kicked Ricochet halfway through a moonsault, and that was a highlight? You remember when the man... Man came to the ring with Josiah Williams rapping to him, rapping him to the ring. And don't forget, you mean to tell me that anytime that you hear the Undisputed Era's music and when they get ready to hit that boom, you don't automatically just do the thumb thing too? Come on. I still do it. And the Undisputed Era's been broken up for about seven months. So I don't know what you're talking about. So so I'm going to ask you one more time. What does NXT have to do with this? I said he was misused. I didn't say that they didn't use him at all. Just no, no. You, hold on, uh, hold on. What's your, sta- what, your statement not that they misused him in WWE? Time out. Time out. They did. They misused him in WWE. Because guess what, Terrell? No matter what you say about all that shit that you just said about NXT, 
which I can't dispute any of it. All of what you said is factual. But here's the part that you keep missing in this stuff with NXT. It means piss all tea. It don't mean nothing. And whose fault is that? Look, okay, now that's a different conversation. We can have that conversation if you want to. I'm fine with that. But again, stop trying to sell me the bull crap that NXT, what, what somebody does there means something. They don't mean nothing, man. Stop that. I'm, I'm not going to allow you to keep do, trying to do that. Like, no, it, it's, oh, that's dead and over. You cannot continue to try and give me that argument at this point. You can't. Anyways, Adam Cole's an Ollie. Adam Cole's an Ollie wrestling, and I got to give all credit to Adam Cole because you know what? He did what he needed to do for his friend Kyle O'Reilly because Adam Cole's contract was up in in July, and on a handshake deal, he agreed. Hey, listen, I'm passionate about helping Kyle. I'll finish. I'll finish this up, and then I'm gone. And that's exactly what he did. And on that note, let me just say, by him doing that, he instantly became one of my favorite wrestlers. Because when you're, that says to me that you understand this full thing about the business, which is that it's never all just about you. And that's a very important thing for wrestlers to understand. And so that, I, I will openly admit, that gave me a lot, a lot of respect for Adam Cole. And I am rooting for him to have a lot of success based strictly off of the fact that he has that much perspective. And, and off the fact that, and off the fact that Vince McMahon wanted him to come to SmackDown and be a manager. Yeah, like what the, like what the hell? So, but but again, no, that I, I didn't mean to get a sidetrack to 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 what we were talking about with AEW. And like I said, though, if I had to choose, though, those would probably be my favorite matches, right? And I, I, but but. And like I said, I I don't want to leave it to, to to feel like I'm saying I had a sour taste in my mouth. Like like after I got done with SummerSlam, I had a horrible taste in my mouth about what what I saw happen, and it was all and it was really based off of what they did to Bianca Belair, right? Like that that left me with such a distaste for even consuming their product that it took me like two weeks to get back to it. And even when I was watching it after those two weeks, I was like. Still pretty pissed off about what y'all did to Bianca Belair. Still pretty pissed off. So, and, and because it's a totality thing with them. And when you look, man, this is something that me and you have harped on WWE for years. We've talked about it for years with them, right? Where the black wrestlers, well, just really the wrestlers of color really don't get a chance in WWE to shine. So to see how they have crapped all over two of their champions like that led that left me with a very very bad taste in my mouth but i don't want to say that AEW did that i was still at the end of AEW's pay-per-view i was still like man that was awesome i just felt that like it would have been a, a total experience it would have been like the best experience right the 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 whole thing that we really wanted if we got to see the hangman page thing but does that make me give them then a lower overall grade for their pay-per-view? No, I won't say that much. Because like I said, at the end of the day, the pay-per-view was still awesome. What we consumed was still excellent, excellent wrestling. It was some of the re- best wrestling at the highest level that you can see. So 
I was still happy with what we saw. I just wish we could have gotten the completion of the storyline with Hangman Page. But with that being said, though, T, so what were your favorite matches of the night then? Because I know I've kind of, I've put mine out there, but I, I didn't really hear you tell us yours. So what are your favorite matches of the night? Well, let's say I have, let's say I'll give you a, my favorite match and my favorite moment. Favorite match was the cage match with uh, Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros. That was an awesome uh, match. And favorite moment though was the Adam Cole, like say debut, and and mind you, some people might be like, "Well, what about Brian Danielson?" Listen, because when the lights hit, I thought that's we were getting, we were going to get Brian Danielson, but we got Adam Cole, and it was a nice little swerve. Because like say me knowing the history between the Bucks and Kenny and, and Adam, it's one of those. Wait, is he coming? Is he coming for them? And then when he super kicked Jungle Boy, which is the only part. That made me a little mad at Adam Cole. But when, when, when he super kicked Jungle Boy, I'm like, okay, he, yep, he's with them and they're going to put him in a good position. Yeah, this is this is Adam Cole and he's going to be on a high level. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely something that, like, watching, watching that whole pay-per-view was very much a, a an experience for me. Because I was sitting here watching it, and I'm just like glued to the screen. I'm like paying attention to the screen to the point in which I just couldn't resist, like say, watching it. Like so, I paid fifty dollars, I was gonna watch it regardless. But like say, if that if that review ended up would have like fell short of my expectations, I'd have been like, oh god, I, I'm not feeling good about spending that fifty. But I was so happy. I was so happy with the end of the pay-per-view. I was so happy so, with the pay-per-view as a whole. So shout-outs to Daryl for uh, hooking it up with the link on me being able to watch him for the free-free. Shout-outs to Daryl. <laughs> well, but with that being said, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on. Say, wait a minute. Time out. You didn't what's give that? Us your wait, wait, wait. Time out. Time out. You, you got to give us more than that on the, on the pay-per-view. Hold the hell on a second here, sir. I'm not letting you get away that easy. Time out. Is there anything that you felt could have been done differently? And on top of that, what were your other best matches of the night? You can't just give us one. What do you think this is? Well, let's say. Give the people what they want, Terrell. I'm not the best friends. I'm not going to hug a group of people. It gets the people going, T. Well, outside of the cage match, I have to say the other match that truly stood out, uh, and obviously, like say CM Punk versus Darby, like the match started a little slow for me, <coughs> but I understood what they were doing because I'm just like, hey, Punk hasn't wrestled in seven years, and well, when I look at it, like after they start picking it up, you could see that like. Okay, yeah, this is a great match. And then, like, say, just the stuff, like, oh, like so the you thing didn't is, realize that they were doing the the Bret Hart, um, one two three kid. I actually realized something in a match before you did. Well, for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 
it's one of those things where like I was trying to be in the moment. I wasn't trying to overanalyze it. I was just like, okay, they're moving a little slow. But then once they got to the once they sped it up, and then mind you, that was one of those times where even in a loss, Darby Allen be, was was a huge star in that one. Mm-hmm. Well, for what what that did for Darby Allen in my mind is that again, it, it was one of those things that we wish more wrestlers would do the service, right? Which is use your backing to put somebody else onto your fans. So now some of your fans can become their fans by osmosis. Just by you having a match with them and being awesome in the ring like those two were, now that guy's going to grit. He's going to get a whole bunch of fans that he never would have gotten exposed to before. So I thought it was awesome to have the match with Darby Allen, especially considering – Oh, excuse me. The only other person I would have wanted to see him in there with was Jungle Boy. That's it. Oh, yeah. So, if you gave, and I'm sorry about all the coughing, if you gave the card a overall grade, what would you give it then? I give it a solid A. Hold on. Did I hear that right? You're giving a wrestling card an A? Yes. I don't think I've heard you give a wrestling card an A in quite a while. That's because most of them have always had at least three or four crap matches. This one only had one match that was like, okay, you know, we don't really need this here, but we understand because off off of Punk and Darby, to you you need you need to you need to let the crowd calm down a little bit before the main event. Mm-hmm. I say that, and that's the truth. You need to let the crowd, like, say, calm down a little bit before you give them the main event. Because I say we knew we we're going to see a great match with with Christian and uh, Kenny Omega, but when it comes to and, and that's the thing, like, uh, that's and that's what that's the only like thing that I always have an issue with with AEW pay-per-views is like it's usually like match to match to match it's like you can't like you can't catch a breath from match to match to match and that's a great thing but at some point in time you need to let people breathe but but that's the thing though that's part of their whole appeal though T is that they don't like when you're watching their product it's not so it's not so uniform like WWE to where, you know, at certain points in WWE television, you can be like, oh, okay, I can turn this off because I know this is basically for not for all intents and purposes and not having a better term, this is like anime filler. You know what I mean? This is basically useless content that's not really going to go anywhere, but they're just filling some time. So AEW doesn't really have that. And I think that's a very good thing for what they're doing because it keeps people, <coughs> especially when you're in this point as the new product where you're trying to get ratings, I think it's brilliant for them to keep it paced that way. Because now it keeps the person from changing the channel. Now, when the person is consuming the product on YouTube, right, now they want to see, well, what's next? Hold on, what did they do next here? You see what I mean? 
Oh yeah. Let's say and, and, and that's the thing, like say I I'm all for the AEW product and, and mind you mind you, like say I I gotta give a shout out to a man who truly deserves it in Eddie Kingston because him versus Miro was let's say that was a match that I'm just like okay we're gonna get this and just leading up to it like I'm just like okay I'm like there those are two guys who talked me into wanting to see them wrestle you know like say other guys on the card I'm like okay I want to see this match because I've seen them wrestle like I've seen Miro wrestle I've seen Eddie Kingston wrestle but I'm like I don't know how I feel about this match. And then when, and then, but then it was that literal, like, like two weeks building up to all out. They got me to want to see that match. Eddie Kingston with the classic line, redeem these nuts, made me, it made me go, yes, I'm in for this. Come on. When you heard him say that, you're just like, oh my God, I can't believe he said that. And you look me were just like, okay, I want to see this. That, that- not, yeah, it was great. I, I'm just I'm only laughing just because it's just it's funny because when when you said it, it just made me re- replay it in my head, seeing him do it, and it would like it just made me chuckle so much when I saw it. Yep. Let's say, and plus you could get the shirt on shot. On shopaw.com, or you can also find it at prowrestlingtees.com. So, if you want to tell somebody to redeem these nuts, go to prowrestlingtees.com, get the shirt. That's right. I just did a promo for Pro Wrestling Tees. Anyways, <laughs> well, Jerome, like I say, I, I think I'm done talking, and I think it's time for you to drop the socials. At J Man everywhere. You already know you can look me up everywhere from Twitter to Twitch all that good stuff so look me up you know it you'll see the logo of my pretty face you know how it goes all right and then you can find me at t underscore itc on instagram you can also say get in contact with me on the real trade camp at twitter which by the way make sure that you also follow the inside the cage instagram page that's inside with two eyes and well I guess I just only have one thing left to say, Jerome, and that is thank you, everybody, for listening to Inside the Cage. I am your host, Terrell Campbell. And I am your man, Jerome Span. And we want, so again, we'd like to thank all of you for being locked inside the cage.